You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at F&B Wealth and Investment, and he's sometimes in Johannesburg, but at the moment he's in Mauritius. I envy you, Wayne. It's cold, it's dark, it's grey. The days are really short here, and I imagine the exact opposite is what you're experiencing right now. Quite correct. It's nice sort of 30, 31 degrees. It's not, it's not over... It's not overbearingly hot because the wind always blows, so it's always a little bit of a cool breeze. Nice. But the sea's nice and warm and the swimming pool's nice and, yeah, it's just nice, to be honest. I've been there there on several occasions. Are you on on the northwest or the southwest part of the island? We northwest, where most of the resorts are. Yeah, okay. Good. Well, have a wonderful time, and thanks very much for taking out um, some time to to speak to me about things that really shouldn't be bothering you at the moment, i.e. the fact that the market's suddenly looking a little bit wobbly again. The China trade data was awful this morning. I don't know if you saw it. Yes. No, I did see that, and it was awful. But even more important news came out of China is they're relaxing the zero COVID. Yes. And from what I can understand from the news, they're relaxing it quite materially, so there should be some improvement in the uh, Chinese economic data going forward because the imports and the exports fell by 8 and 10%. I mean, it was massive. Yes, yes. the biggest. That's, that's a big fall in November. Mm. Yeah, really big, really important numbers. And I think that President Xi is um, suddenly realizing that he's been a little bit heavy-handed or him and his, um, his yeah, cohorts say, have been a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, I find it astonishing that, you know, I can remember so well when COVID started out, we had all of these apps where given the current inoculation, the current injection rate in South Africa, you would only get your vaccine in five and a half years' time. Remember those apps? Yes. And yet all of a sudden, we, we in South Africa are so past COVID, and yet China hasn't been able to vaccinate everyone. I find it astonishing. Remember the stories they were building a hospital a day, and, you know, we thought, well, you know, every other country in the world's managed to vaccinate their population. And I find it odd that China wasn't able to get it right. But yes. anyway, besides that point. No, it, you know, it, it is strange. And the reason that the, that, that, that's, yeah. um, um, that should be contextualized is if they want to shut down a city, they shut down a city. And uh, Chinese people are very obedient and they, and they queue and they get their tests and all sorts of things. But it seems the authorities, as you quite rightly say, cannot get a jab in their arm. And I think one of the reasons yeah. is that they will not import Western uh, vaccines that because is, is it's very it's a, important. It's yes. a pride thing, I think. They, they say, well, uh, a, we, we are the it's best. A, it's a communist party. It's a hangover of a communist party where we can't use this from the West or this from another country because it'll show our weakness in that we haven't been able to do it ourselves. So we'll we'll rather just use our own stuff. And even if it's not as good as the imported stuff, that's more important. The the whole pride issue, saving face, is more important than the economy and the health of your people. That's that that is typical communist party ideology and thinking, unfortunately. Yeah, which is obviously they're, you know, they're suffering not, from now. And 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 yeah, and I'm not for a moment saying that the ANC is a communist party, but it's almost like the ANC ideology of 
we can supply power better than the private sector. We can supply healthcare better than the private sector. We we must keep our levers on the controls of the economy because we can deliver to the people better than anyone else can deliver to the people. And we see now we're lucky enough for the next two, three days, I haven't got it, but South Africa's in stage six load shedding. Mm. And even though we might not stay in stage six for long, because a few things have broken down, you know, chimneys have collapsed and X, Y, Z and whatever, and Kuberg's going in for long-term six months, one-year maintenance, you know, there's going to be more, the grid's going to be more constrained for the next six months than what it has ever been in the past. And previously, hmm. when you went into heavy load shedding, they could fix the problem in a week. You know, some guy turned the wrong lever or switched the wrong valve or pushed the wrong button. Yes. But it was, you know, it, it was repairable in a reasonable time scale. Whereas this chimney collapsing at Kusele, which is a brand new, by the way, mm-hmm. has taken three units out for a sustained time period. And, of course, the one unit at, at Kuburg going down, that's that's planned. And, it's, and we knew it was going to happen because they're actually going to take it down, refuel all the power rods and all that stuff. But they're actually going to do quite serious maintenance and upgrade for to, to extend its life. Because, I mean, those things must be 50 years old now. Yeah. You mm. know, so, so we're going to have more load shedding for the next six months and what we've had in the past. And the past has been bad enough, So, but yeah, we're going to live for it. But it comes to another concept that I've been thinking about, and it's not related to investments, but it's related to being a South African. Yes. We are a remarkably resilient nation. We've come through many, many things where our demise was predicted, and we're still here. But damn it, you get resilience burnout at. You, know, you, you can only be resilient up to a certain point, and then you, you then you really get tired. I've been uh, trying to get people to, together from the investment community to do the review of the year, and I've done currencies and I've done bonds, and I wanted to do South African equities from a, from a large fund manager based in Cape Town. And um, hmm. the chap that I normally speak to is always very willing to uh, to listen to my nonsense and give me give me his views. He's 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 really we, we he's never refused me before. But I sent him a message yesterday and he didn't reply. I sent him another message today and he just said, Lindsay, I'm so depressed and I'm in despair about the country that I love. I it's South Africa, and obviously he's referring to the uh, the Farmgate, the Cyril Ramaphosa situation hmm. where. However many hundreds of thousands of dollars were were found for buffalo that actually are still on his farm. I mean, I'm reading all sorts of different articles. Yeah. But how do you feel about that? Does that also make you a little bit, um, as you said in Mauritius, a little bit despondent? Yeah, you do. But but it's life with any with any any country and politics. It's life. These completely weird things happen with somehow with politicians and maybe more so in South Africa, but it's not isolated to us. No, Look of at the not. prime minister changes in the UK. Yes. Look at Donald Trump and all. So it's not us. Politicians just don't seem sometimes to, I don't know, um, act like rational people and do rational things sometimes. Sometimes, well, you know, it seems to me that 
if you become a politician, you are almost not a normal person. There's controversy and scandal and, you know, bad judgment and, and ethics seem to be questionable if you become a politician. Maybe just common sense seems to be lacking. But anyway, that's beside the point. The point is, as long as the ANC doesn't change course in the management of the country's macroeconomic principles, which, by the way, it hasn't since 1994, even in the Zuma years. The Zuma years, they didn't change the way the country was run. They just stole all the money <laughs> and just got less and less efficient in running the country. But they didn't, didn't become a communist country or as long as the EFF is going to take over. So as long as the, the overall direction of the government's management and the Reserve Bank and all other, these other institutions doesn't change direction, which I doubt if it will. In other words, if the Zuma people take over again, then I doubt usually whether that will happen. Quite frankly, over the medium term, Farmgate and Parler Parler, all of this won't even matter whether the president stays or goes. It actually doesn't matter. It has a big effect shorter term, but longer term, it has virtually no effect. And, and a good example there is the weekend special Aldez van Royen coming in and sacking Nene and putting other people in and then sacking Pravin and putting Gigab, Gigaba in. Yes. Ultimately, you can hardly even remember that. So it had short-term effect, but now a couple of years later on, you, you can't even remember it just about. You, you know, you almost forget these things. So, you know, as long as the overall direction of the country doesn't change, political events, positive or negative, actually have very little bearing. Now, you know, it always sounds as though there's negative. I mean, uh, the current state president, when he came in, was the knight in shining armor. He was going to save the country. Oh, yeah. He was and the he savior. Yeah, 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 of course. And there was and there was even a word for it called ramaphoria. You know, that, that also didn't, didn't last. Long. So, you know, yeah. positive, positive and the negatives actually don't really last. As long as the overall direction of how the country is run, you know, and it's not just the government. It's things like, will we over time maintain real interest rates? In other words, inflation is not going to 800% like in Turkey where they've kept interest rates low but inflation's high. Zimbabwe. You know, it's, it's mm. how the mm. – or Zimbabwe, they're in the, the classic case, and there you eventually lose your currency. You know, we're not going down that route. So ultimately these political scandals, call it what you want to, actually has no real direct – I think the country – the yeah. country as a whole expected more from our current state president. You, you see, what, what again, I, I'm, I'm sort of apolitical, but I, I like to keep an eye on things. And, and I sit down and shake my head. I'm not in despair because I'm, I'm not living in South Africa. But I do despair for my children and, uh, you know, the decent people that I've met over the near 30 years I was there. But... Um, what I don't understand is, is first of all, when you're the president of a country, you're a very highly placed individual, uh, whether it be a politician or a, a businessman or something. Why would you do something when you know you're being scrutinised meticulously by yes. by? So why would why would this buffalo thing uh, suddenly be 
um, unraveled. You should really take care. You should just say, okay, I shouldn't go to that bar. I shouldn't be kissing my secretary like that uh, ghastly little man yes. in the UK did. I shouldn't be doing these things because people, yes. someone's going to be watching and someone will blow yeah. the whistle on me. And the, the thing is about the ANC is, that, as you say, doesn't matter who's in there, whether it's Zuma or Becky or um, Ramaphosa, there's no, there's no political... Um, uh, opposition, so they don't, f they, they become lazy and the same policies. Yes, they become lazy. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm guaranteed mm. to have a job, so why should I worry? Yeah. But it's interesting. I chatted to uh, uh, another uh, friend of mine whose opinion I respect enormously, and he said one thing that really struck a chord. Yeah. He said, often the cover-up causes more damage than the actual, call it the crime, mm. call it the infringement. So in other words, if 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 the state president had come clean, you know, or his staff had come clean and said, "Listen, we're reporting a crime where five hundred and eighty thousand U.S. dollars was stuffed into a couch right. and it was stolen," you know, someone else way further down the line would have got into trouble for not depositing foreign exchange and blah blah. Would never be the state president. You know, he doesn't run his farm. He's not there. You know, he's not he's not there right out the receipt when people give cash over the counter but because he covered it up he's in trouble now and, and it's a very interesting thing the cover-up actually when the cover-up is exposed it actually causes more damage than the underlying reason for the cover-up you know and i think that's an important lesson yes. sometimes it's just it's it's easier to come clean about the problem and to try and cover it up because when if it's found out later on that you've covered up you're actually in more trouble yeah yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's 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 um, um, an example I always use, and it's not to do with telling the truth. It's to do with paying your your debts. For example, when I used to uh, gamble occasionally on on sporting events, um, uh, and I wasn't particularly well off at the time, and that's probably why I was betting. I would say to the uh, bookmaker, "Do you mind if I just?" If, if I just have one more, one more bet, and uh, in a week's time I'll be able to pay you because I'm expecting some money. And, and he said to me, Lindsay, pay, and the pain goes away. And it's the same thing. You say, yeah, come clean. Yeah. I shouldn't have had this money. I haven't, I haven't declared it. I don't know. I'm getting to the bottom of it, but I will sort it out straight away. But as you say, Mr. Ramaphosa, or rather President Ramaphosa, hasn't done that. He's, he's dug a hole for himself. do that. Yeah. But, okay. But ultimately... Ultimately, this will just be another story. Mm. There are far, far bigger factors that drive markets. And speaking of markets, it's, it's a very, very quiet time of year. Um, the year-end festivities, or rather the year-end break, has, has seems to have started early. I'm looking at the Stock Exchange News Service today, and uh, there's nothing going on. And I think most people now in Johannesburg or Cape Town or wherever it is will still be at their Christmas lunch and will probably be getting a taxi home in the next uh, hour or so, having had a really decent lunch and a couple of glasses of wine. And uh, well, and it's evidenced by you. You've, you've flown off to the Indian Ocean. Mm. But I'm going back to it. That's, that's the different part. This Indian Ocean trip was actually bought and paid for three years ago and was postponed because of COVID. Yeah. And then it happened to arrive now. So this is not the start of my December holidays. I'm actually going back to work for two weeks. Huh. And I'll be on radio and TV a lot during it, those two weeks because everyone else is going off literally from this week. So, you know, because the public holiday is next Friday, somehow 
when it's a Monday and a Tuesday, people start their leave on the 17th. Nice. But because the 17th is the Saturday and the Friday is a holiday, they're sort of starting it from next Monday. So, you know, tomorrow and Friday is the last day at work. So I do agree, people, it does seem to be starting, you know, one week, one working week earlier than what you would. But I think that's more to do with the placement of the public holiday. So I think this week is the last proper working week next week. It's going to be dead. Without a doubt. Even and thank goodness for that. Yeah. Even Shapiro's. We might, we might be able to yeah, we might be able to drop from load six, from schedule six blackouts, hmm. because there will just be less demand. Yeah, even Shapiro's gone. He's off to Australia, and you know how he loves to talk and be on but TV. No, he's, 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 he's gone. always off somewhere. Yeah, I know, but this time he's, he's always off, off gallivanting. Mm. Shapiro is, a, is like the, the playboy of years gone past, like the old uh, <laughs> 007 and the man from Uncle. I mean, Shapiro's a, a, a very dapper gentleman, and he's always off gallivanting somewhere. I don't think he's James Bond or the man from Uncle, but he's certainly, as you say, he's uh, he's out there a lot. He's out there. Um, oh, yes. One thing that's, I very much so. Yes. Yeah. It's one thing that you and I have in common, I mean, you don't like football and I'm not interested in cars, but one thing we do have which binds us together, apart from uh, having a, an interest in uh, in markets, financial markets, is, is is food. Now, if you combine football and food, yes. which I've done over the last week, and uh, I'm, I'm, this is a shameful story, but I have to tell you, back in England, um, when I was a student, an impoverished student in London, you would um, you would buy cheap food. I, you, I don't know if you've ever been in that position where you know you, you trade down a little bit because you're on an allowance. And uh, big your times, yeah. Exactly. So, I thought what really sort of epitomises football um, even more than beer does, and to me it was the famous chip butty in um, in England. And what you do yes, is you, yes. you take two uh, thick slices of white bread, untoasted. Um, you lather it up a little bit with, with, with some butter. Then you put mustard and um, mayonnaise on one side and, and mix it all up together. Then you get hot. As, what, do you, what is it called in South Africa? Slap chips, you know, the soggy ones. Slappies, yeah. Slappies, yeah. Slappies, yeah. You put those in and some just plain bog standard um, white vinegar, malt vinegar on the chips. Yeah, that's lots, delicious. Lots and lots of salt. And you make a big sandwich out of and, them. And some people would even put um, crisps inside, you know, potato crisps yeah, inside. So you got, that, yeah. 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 I, I did it the other day, uh, watching a football match. And it was delicious. Whew. It was, um, it was, it was, it it was, was sensational. Delicious. It really, really was. It took it me back. It was delicious. Oh, it was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Many years, yeah. Now, look, uh, my, my children grew up northern suburbs children. Oh, yeah. You know, and I once had to go down into the deep south of Johannesburg uh, to go and I forget what, but I took them with them. They were still quite young, quite young. They were sort of, I don't know, six and five or seven and four or whatever. Mm. And I took him down to the deep south and there was the atypical Madeira cafe. Yes. You know, so I took them in there and was, you know, those glass display cabinets with the hard boiled eggs in and the quarter chicken yeah. and the piece of burrovos. And they had one of these glass cabinets, and it was cracked, of course, fixed with sticky tape. The mm -hmm. crack was fixed with sticky tape, and they sold slop chips. Now, and the children had obviously had chips before. There was, there was a nice sort of crispy chips you get 
these were these were slop chips, and I bought them a packet of slop chips, and they had the liter Coke bottle of vinegar with the holes, you know, in the top of the screw-on cap for the vinegar, and they had that big salt dispenser also with the holes jabbed in the top with like a screwdriver or something. So they had sloppies with vinegar and salt on it, and oh. they absolutely loved sloppies. So I like I like slop chips. It's, yeah, I do too. It reminds me of my youth. Yeah, me too. I've been through that experience. But of course, now that you're a hugely successful um, um, a businessman um, and in the autumn of your life, you have graduated somewhat from Slappies to, yes. uh, you know, delicious uh, no, seafood feel, platters feel, in Mauritius, like... for example. <laughs> yes. But in fact, I've had some very good food here in, in Mauritius, very extremely good food. But to me, the, the best thing I've had here in Mauritius is they do... Uh, French, obviously being, you know, ex-French colony, they do a little French roll. And there's a special a bread, but there's a special name for it that begins with a B. I just can't think of the name now. Um, brioche. It's a special way of making brioche, brioche. Exactly. Special way of making bread. And they've got this little brioche roll. I mean, it's a very small roll mm -hmm. that they've done brioche with coconut shavings or coconut sprinkles in it mm. and they bake it fresh at every meal you take it out of like a little warm cabinet little like you know just i don't know a little ceramic pot type of thing mm -hmm. but it's kept warm and you put some butter on it and that is the most delicious thing i've eaten here in mauritius and we've had the 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 buffet and we've had the seafood and we've had the got a very very this place i'm staying has got a very nice italian restaurant had a beautiful meal there but this little brioche roll with the butter on, that is truly delicious. Gosh, and I must say they've got very nice things. I'm not a, I'm not generally a big buffet person. I, I often find buffet food, you know, nothing. It's all very nice mm -hmm. and it's all very good, but nothing's really a speciality. Nothing special. It's it's all it's all good, but it's all a little bit run of the run of the mill. Mm -hmm. But I must say this buffet. Uh, is very nice, and the thing I like about a buffet is that you can have five meals. <laughs> you know, you go and you get a little bit of each thing that you like, and you taste it. And I so I like the the selection offered by a buffet, but generally speaking, the quality is not great of each individual dish. But the food here is very nice, I must say. I noticed, and it's nice to be here. I noticed you were taking a slug of, of some drink. It's probably a mocktail. It's probably um, you, you haven't um, launched into a glass of wine or anything, or a gin and tonic or Not something. Not today, no. no. But um, uh, one thing I do have to ask you, and we'll end the conversation on this uh, note. Um, are you, please tell me you're wearing baggy shorts when you go swimming rather than a Speedo. <clears throat> yeah, I know the world's not going to ever see me in a Speedo. <laughs> That was that. Uh, the last time I wore a speedo, I was probably about 11, 12 years old, maybe even 10 years old in, in Kimberley. Yeah. So I, the, the, I've got a pair of baggies, and I've got a pair of baggies that were bought from uh, uh, Mr. Pick, Price, pick I think, or, or pick and pay clothing. I haven't got the Paul Shark designer, but it was quite interesting. There's a family here that's mm -hmm. there's mommy and daddy and two children. And we've been here three days now, and on each of the three days, they've all had exact matching beachwear outfits on. So the costumes mm. made from the same 
pattern, the same material, the same color, the same T-shirt, the same everything. Yes. And then the world's the world's biggest rugby fan says, "Oh, that's this and this make." I mean, I don't know fashion makes and that, but you said that's this and this make, and that whole family outfit cost him about twelve thousand rand because it's all designer and, and I just think, why? I think when Why, when my when my Mr. Price baggies for a hundred and ten bucks or hundred and twenty bucks, it does just as good a job. It does a good job, yeah. But you have to make a statement occasionally, especially if you're ostentatious. But I think the world's biggest rugby fan would have been talking about a French brand which actually manufactures its um, its its clobber in Mauritius. It's called Ville Brequin. It's it's ridiculous. Ridiculously it expensive. Could easily be. Yeah, it was three. It's three hundred and fifty euros for a pair of of baggies that you could buy twenty pairs at, at Pick and Pay or Macro or something, which is where you yeah. buy your stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've cleared that yeah. up. So baggies it is. Thank goodness. That's a merciful relief for for thank for, 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 that, for yeah. the rest of the world. <laughs> especially people in Mauritius. Yeah. Wayne, thanks so much for speaking to us. You sound completely different from Mauritius than you do in Johannesburg. I can tell you're having a good time and maybe we'll speak next week. Thanks very much. Uh, Wayne McCurry is from F&B Wealth and Investment and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.